0: Hey legends, I'm Eliza Lee and you're listening to The Making of an Incredible MD, the podcast for aspiring medical professionals. Last season, we geared you up with a ton of different topics and ethical dilemmas to think about in the medical field. And on this season of the podcast, we're taking you behind the scenes of live MMI mock stations that we run for our students who are about to sit their med interviews. So stay tuned for a new station each week and hear a handful of our future med students give it a good old crack. Today on Station 1, we have none other than our Notre Dame examiner and legals director here at Hallard interviewing one of our aspiring med students, Yasmin. Now, this is Yasmin's first time doing a live MMI practice. So bear in mind what you're hearing is only just the beginning for her, and she'll only be getting better from here. Before we hit record, we give each student three minutes to read the station, and they have eight minutes to respond. Today, the station that Yasmin read was this. You are a genetic counselor. One of your clients, Linda, has a son, Peter, with a genetic defect that may have a high reoccurrence risk meaning her subsequent pregnancies have a high chance of being affected by the same defect. You offered genetic testing of Linda, her husband Ron, and Peter to find out more about their disease, to which everyone agreed. The result showed that neither Linda nor Ron carries the mutation while Peter inherited the mutation on a paternal chromosome that did not come from Linda's husband. In other words, Peter's biological father is someone else who is unaware that he carries the mutation. You suspect that Linda and her husband do not know that Peter's father is not Ron. And now over to the recording.
1: All right, Yasmin, whenever you're ready. Okay, so what principles and who do you have to take into consideration in this case?
2: Yep sure so when I, un- I when I understand this case there are uh, some main issues so one is because that they are not aware that um, the father isn't the real father and apparently that both of them uh, both the parents are not aware of this so the main issues would be h- how would I break this news for them and if I'm the one to break the news for them so this is a main issue because considering that um, the parents um, didn't know that throughout uh, Peter's life so the son's life and it would be a heartbreaking news for like or perhaps something that is um, surprising and so what I'll need to do is probably um, really understand more about the situation and how do they feel instead of me telling them directly, so I will need to um yeah need to know more about the history and um understand um more about um the condition and and also not um and also only considering the um benefits and so the benefit for uh my client my patient, and yeah basically we don't i wouldn't want to um. Hurt their feeling, but um, which uh, like mentally and yeah.
1: What would be the advantages and disadvantages of disclosing this information?
2: Yeah, so the advantages of disclosing disclosing this information would mainly be telling the truth and honesty. So perhaps um, the son um, it's also uh, the right for the son to know that uh, who um, his father is and also um that the parents also know that um the yeah uh, basically the truth uh, father fatherhood that is and that um they can be able to address this medical condition um more effectively so yeah they know how um can they address it because they know who the true father is however the potential but the, the potential risk to that is in long term the relationship may be broken, not only between the parents, but also the relationship between the son and his parents. Um because um there will be um trust issues between the parents knowing that oh parents uh, are not his father. So as for the son, um the son may may feel um he's being like this whole time and not being able to um, yeah, it will be a great um, harm to, to the mental life as well.
1: How would you disclose the results of this genetic analysis to Linda and her family?
2: Yep, so in order to disclose this in a way that is um, causing the less harm, as I've mentioned before, um, as I've mentioned as well, I will need to get more information regarding um, how they actually feel about it. and not directly saying the truth. For example, I'll um have a private conversation and in a safe environment with the mother, making sure that um she is comfortable to say anything. So um yeah, i'll perhaps um talk about um mm, the the genetic disease of Peter and also disclosing um to her that uh privately um we suspect that um um the father is another person and um see how she reacts and how she feels about it and um yeah but mainly uh the first step will be talking to the mother privately instead of just disclose this in front of everyone and then um to go i will encourage her to tell this to her husband and um and then both of the parents can consider um, a way to disclose this to um, their son as well. So, but the main action I will do is, yeah, first only regarding the confidentiality and also um, not harming the whole family's relationship, I'll need to disclose it only to the mother first and then I'll encourage the mother to um, tell this to um, the rest of the family.
1: Okay, Yasmin, you still got... Two and a half minutes. If you'd like to comment on anything further,
2: not at the moment. But um, do you mind if I think about it and yeah? That's fine. Yeah. So there is something that I want to add on is um, that I had a uh, had um a similar experience uh, from my work at the medical receptionist at a medical clinic, and yes, um it, it we came over with a case when um um the doctor so i know a friend of mine who is a a patient of the gp at my clinic and i realized um some of the um bc and well i'm a friend of um, her but then um so the fact is that that this person who has um hiv but probably his fiance didn't know about it, so I'll. It is also considering like where, whether I should take the step forward and also or just hold back. So that I also need to consider the confidentiality behind it. So if I um, tell this to the fiance directly, it, it is already a breach of confidentiality, when it is the most important um, uh, uh, principle because we have to deal, respect um, patients' choice. Um, So what I would do is to talk to uh, my friend individually and encourage um, him to tell his fiance about the HIV test result. And, yeah, so that's uh, a similar
0: situation that I will come with.
1: Okay, thank you, Yasmin. We'll we'll stop there.
0: (sighs) That was a hard one to tackle, and Yasmin definitely gave it a good crack for her first time. Now here comes Tom's feedback.
1: Well done. We're going to do some feedback, and we'll talk about um, how you went. First of all, really good job at at coming in and putting yourself out and having a crack because it is a very difficult um, scenario, and, and it's difficult for a purpose. Um, so I think the the first thing that I would I would do is if I were you, when um, obviously all I did was screen share the scenario with you, um, is identify first and foremost right what sort of station is this? Um, so reading through. it was was very, it was readily apparent that this is an ethics scenario. Okay, so um, any medical school you apply to is going to have uh, an ethics scenario. Uh, So at Notre Dame, which is the university I'm currently at, they have a really big emphasis on their ethics. So a lot of people, um, uh, you need to do well in the ethics to do well in your interview. Um, So uh, that's not to scare you, but that's to encourage you to become more familiar with the topic. Okay, so let's talk about some general feedback, and then we'll get into some specific pointers. Um, so you identified the main issue as how I would approach the family, um, how you would approach the family dynamic, um, and you'd like to understand more about the situation, um, more about the history uh, behind um, the situation, and more about the condition itself. Um, so I thought that I thought that was okay. Um, we'll go into that in a little bit. Um, I think the overall comment that i'm going to make for you today yasmin is having a structured response um, so I, w- I would i would make a clear distinction between a structured re- response and a rehearsed response because rehearsed responses usually don't score very well um, because uh the examiners the examiners aren't silly people and they can very clearly see when you've just memorized your response right and they're not impressed by that they want to see how you can think on the spot um and reason So I think a structured response is a good call. And what I mean by that is is when you're reading a question or reading a prompt, um, having a set idea of how you're going to prioritize or tackle the information. Because there's always usually a blurb there and there's a fair bit of information and you've got to identify it right. What is the most important thing? Um, So in this situation, I would be thinking the most important thing, first and foremost, is this battle between um, privacy and confidentiality. Versus non-maleficence, so that's the principle of doing no harm. Okay, and so here you've got a you've got an ethical situation where there's not a clear outline of how you can also not do any harm by um, not provide not finding out more information as to who the father is to relay the information that this is a potential genetic condition that um that has the potential to affect his health, right? Versus the right of the patient. Right of the patient, which is both Peter the child and the mother, Linda, to their confidentiality and their privacy, which is first and foremost. So, here you've got uh, two kind of diametrically opposed objectives, but you've got to find a way to balance these competing interests. So, Yasmin, the thing I would say to you about these ethical scenarios is it's not about finding the right answer. So, you're not expected to go in come out and have, uh, and and as if you're a bioethicist, you're not expected to come out with a a clear consensus on on the issue. What they really wanna be able to see, um, and this is for every ethical uh, station in the MMI, is your ability to reason, Mm. right? Your ability to kind of weigh up various options, which I thought you showed that you've got the ability to do. So I think now it's just a matter of further developing that skill. Um, okay, so on the first follow-up, we had what principles and who what principles and who do you have to take into consideration in this case. Um, so you talked about the 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 family dynamic. I think there were probably you probably could have spelt this out a little bit more. You could have made it a little bit more clear as to who who was on either side, who was um, who was opposed in this situation, um, what the issues were. Um, I think there was room to be a little bit more explicit um, rather than avoiding kind of generalizations of wanting to know more about the situation because you're always going to need to know more about the situation. And then I suppose just having that structured response of first and foremost, we've got the issue of privacy as evident through Linda and Peter. Uh, And then we also have the uh, issue of uh, non-maleficence, obviously to Ron, the husband, um, as to you don't have a right to Impinge on the family dynamic, or to uh, to comment, or, or or insert yourself in that situation. But you also have an obligation as a in this in this situation, you a genetic counselor. So as a medical professional, you have an obligation um, to not do any harm. And if you think you you knowing information will do harm to someone by not them not finding out, then maybe you've got an obligation. And the reason I think I say that this is such a challenging situation, Yasmin, is that there's no clear answer. Uh, and so I'll share, I'll share a resource with you before we wrap up here. Um, but basically, there's a lot of laws and there's a lot of debate currently at the moment as to what to do with incidental findings, which is when you do genetic tests and you find out extra information that you didn't, um, you didn't ask for. Um, and these can be serious and a lot of the time they're familial. And so the question is, do the, does this information need to be passed on to other individuals beyond the consent of the individual who originally approached for treatment? Okay, so more about that later. Then we go into your second follow-up. What would be the advantages and disadvantages of disclosing this information? Here, this gave you a really good opportunity to make it clear as to which principles you're balancing. Right, so uh, this is an opportunity here where you can start to show a bit more of a knowledge of ethics. So you could say, um, on one hand, from a utilitarian perspective, it makes sense to the advantages to disclose this information to all the parties involved, so as that they can all get the most benefit out of knowing this information. But then, on the other hand, you could say, from a very principlist or or from a position of um, holding privacy or confidentiality as the paramount motive here, um, there's a disadvantage in disclosing this information as the patient hasn't properly consented to that. Um, and where's your right to kind of violate their their privacy? Um, so I think that you commented on the son's right to paternal information uh, and the advantage of telling the truth. I don't think that was the strongest point you could come out with here. I think I would encourage you, encourage you to focus more on, the, more on the, the crux of this situation, which is there's a genetic defect with a high recurrence risk. So there's a risk from this potential other father um, who isn't aware of this um, also passing that on. Um, which might inform his decisions. Um, so they're, they're, I think the crux of that, the issue is there about the genetic defect with the high recurrence risk, not about you being the moral judge on what is right and what is wrong within the family dynamic, okay? So you're not here to make comments on the family situation as to who the son should know. You know it's not your, not your position to say who, how, how the, who, who the, the son should know who the father is. I think that's beyond the scope of what this situation is asking you to do. Um, and I think that would actually detract from your response. Um, I did think you did well in saying the, rela- the relationship may be broken down if as a disadvantage. And I think that's true. But that needed to be weighed against the advantage of medical benefit here. Um, and then as to the third question, this one was quite challenging as well as to how, do you, how would you disclose the results of this genetic analysis to Linda and her family? Um, I think this is an extremely challenging follow-up question. He did quite a, quite a good job at taking some time um, to kind of reason it. Um, private conversation with the mother in a, in a safe environment. I thought that, and you talked about encouraging the mother to tell the husband. Um, I'm not sure. I think that's not bad, and that's not a bad thing to say at all. The reason I was talking about structure is I think you need to say where you're coming from. So you don't have to choose one course of action. Here you could say one way to do it to achieve this aim, right? to achieve the aim of uh, following a set of principles would be to go through these steps. Another way to, to provide the most people with the most benefit would be to do this. As to the best way, I'm not certain. So here you've showed a really complex understanding of how there's not actually a clear right answer. There's a few different ways to go about it. So Yasmin, my advice would be start with structure, start with an idea, and then from there outline the specific specifics of how of what you're trying to of how you're trying to approach the situation. Don't start with specifics so as to I'm approaching the mother, I'd say it in this way, and then try wiggle out from there. Be really clear, as if you're writing an essay, signpost what your point is and then explain it uh, within the context of the scenario. Um, I think you made some fantastic points here about you started to get the idea when you were saying confidentiality is the most important principle um, and that you're aiming not to harm anyone. I thought they were really strong points, and I think it would have benefited you a lot if they'd come out earlier in the station. Um, So these are sort of buzzwords that um, as much as um, they get recycled, it's really important to show that you've got an understanding um, of things like the Georgetown mantra. Okay, and then finally, the uh, similar experiences, medical receptionist, um, and the HIV anecdote. I thought that there was a potential there for that to be a really good, really good, um, uh, really good scenario and a really good um, anecdote from yourself. Uh, I'm not sure whether it was the audio quality, but I think it became a little bit unclear for me. I wasn't really sure from where the start um, of understanding that situation to the end as to what your course of action was Um, and I would be really really careful as to not implicate yourself uh, into the wrong uh, not the wrong but into a position where you might not have done the right thing ethically you might have violated patient confidentiality or basically don't implicate yourself if if not needed so I think be very careful with that HIV anecdote as medical receptionist in in reality you, you shouldn't really be seeing the patient files you shouldn't be um, reading patient files um, so be quite careful there I think would be my advice um, but I think it's it's what that did show is that you're very creative and you've got an ability to come up with really strong scenario really strong examples which fit the scenario so I think well done on that point yeah i would just reiterate that let's let's really try approach the situation as structure first understanding how we're going to approach it And then fill in from there with the examples of the scenario. Don't be afraid to ask a question or if you need to take some time. um, In my interview, I was very conscious of taking a little bit of time after each single follow-up question I was asked. Um, And I think taking that time to actually chew on the question and make sure that you're hearing the most important bit is really um, an important skill. Um, I find that people who rush straight into response quite often start the response and then halfway through figure out what they want to say. Um, but the examiner, of course, has already listened to maybe not your best response. Okay. Do you have any questions for me, Yasmin?
2: Um, so when you say um, take some time before I answer each question, do you mean sure. I just, do you mind if I take a couple of me- uh, seconds to think about it? Yeah, exactly. I say that,
1: yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, I don't, I don't even think you need to say it. I think if I ask you a question, don't be afraid to sit there. Just think for a second. And then be like, okay, well, I can understand where this question is leaning to me towards, but I it is important to consider this aspect um, of ethics. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to link you a file, uh, and this is the New South Wales health new. The law has just changed on incidental findings, and I think this if if anything, if anything comes up about genetics or genetic counselling, I think it's really good to be kind of have an idea about how this has changed and that will show, for instance, if you're interviewing um, in New South Wales, University of Sydney or Notre Dame, uh, this would be, or Wollongong, this would be a really, really strong thing to have a concept of, um, to have an idea that, that there is this current debate on, as to whether it is right or wrong to disclose information. I think, I think that was the main points. Um, And then other thing I would, I would encourage you to go away. It's clear that you've got an ability to come out with responses quite well. Um, formulate a, formulate some, some good ideas, um, as to how you're going to respond to the prompt. Now, what I think you need to do is spend some more time familiarizing yourself with uh, medical ethics, um, and especially the, a thing called the Georgetown mantra. So really in most of these situations, there are, four tenets that you pretty much always want to mention, unless it's not relevant, which is um, non-maleficence, so the principle of doing no harm. Beneficence, so always doing the right thing. Um, Then uh, autonomy, right? So the patient's autonomy and justice. So weighing up what is is right, what is wrong. Uh, And then also privacy and confidentiality. So these are all kind of buzzwords which medical examiners are very used to hearing. But it's really important that you do um, that you do, do your best to, to, to touch on these. Yeah, I would say go, go away and do some reading and then practice responding. The one last thing I would say here is it's very common in an NMI station that they put such a question to you in the way is, how would you disclose the results of this genetic analysis to Linda and her family? That, that question is clearly beyond the scope of, of your expected understanding. So it's it's clear that you can come out, anyone can come out with a response to that. But as to the right way to do it, it's clear that, that no one would know straight away what to do. So this is a really good opportunity to do something called escalating. And that's showing that you acknowledge the limits of your own knowledge, you acknowledge the limits of your own current experience, and you say, well, as a genetic counsellor, I'm sure I'm in a lab or I'm in a situation where I've got a superior who has more experience in, in dealing with these, ethical scenarios or perhaps there's a board of ethics at the hospital or the lab I think if you can show these sort of responses and think in this way as to this is this burden is not all on me that would be a very high scoring response Um, and what this is reflecting back to as to the process of medical entry is that that you're demonstrating that if you were to get into med um, you're not uh, you're not going to burden everything on yourself You've got the ability to recognise your own limits, um, and you've got the ability to approach superiors and approach them with um, issues and scenarios. Does that help?
2: Yep, definitely. Um,
1: I'm s- I'm sorry, Yasmin. It was probably quite a rant, but do you have any questions?
2: Um. Yes, one last question on how would you address with uh yeah uh, justice regarding just now that. Just, What's that? Sorry. Uh, how do you regard? Um, how would you talk about justice regarding? um that scenario Get the one of the ethic principles
1: certainly so justice is is essentially being so essentially seeking that everyone uh achieve balancing essentially um i think a good idea is to familiarize yourself with the concept of a world of competing sorrows and this basically means that you know in in many situations no one wins right so what you're doing here is you're trying to assess how do i balance And mitigate the, the harms to people. Okay. So in one hand, it's, it's going, it's going to inherently harm someone by violating their privacy or, or violating their confidentiality as they've consented this procedure for themselves. Um, but by not providing any, any other information to the individual affected, um, are you complicit in, in that harm? So I'll just bring you back to the point of, you're not to come up with an answer here. You're not to come up with a specific um, uh, a specific approach or 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 a final solution. you you're you're trying to come out with um, simply a method and and a means of weighing weighing the competing ideas, showing that you can acknowledge the complexity of the situation um, and and reason to an extent saying, well, on one hand, you can do this, but that will impact this party. On the other hand, you can do this through this perspective or through this idea, um, and that might achieve a better aim, but it'll have consequences. I hope that will help you in your practice.
0: Thank you. Boy oh boy was that great constructive feedback from Tom and all the resources he shared I've linked below in the show notes so you can check them out at home. Now if you're preparing for your med interview soon and want more guidance feel free to use the rest of this podcast as a guide or if you're like Yasmin and want more personalized feedback I'll also link below our mock MMI rounds which are coming up for our 2020 interviewees.